All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night, as I am recording this. Uh, pretty late tonight. Wanted to take some time to let some mailbag questions come in uh, for tonight, as we are going to do a mailbag in the third segment, but we're also going to do it across a couple of different days over this week. We don't have a Nuggets game until Thursday, right? Like there's there's a lot of time to kill. There's a lot of time to talk about different Nuggets topics. And I want to structure it in such a way where I'm going to be doing my forward and wing grades, the in-season grades today. I did the guard grades yesterday. And if you were interested, make sure to go back and listen to that. I talked about Monte Morris, Falco Campazzo, Marcus Howard, uh, but also Bryn Forbes and Bones Highland. And I didn't talk about Jamal Murray. He will be in the injured category going on, I think, Thursday morning. Uh, but that will be a good podcast where I talk about the bigs as well in that one. I'm going to have Jeff Morton on tomorrow. So if you're listening to this today, uh, probably a Tuesday, then get excited for that. We're going to talk about Michael Malone. We're going to talk about a lot of different topics, and it should be fun. But as I said, we're in the middle of the All-Star break, uh, kind of coming out of it. There will be some practice topics, I'm sure. And we haven't gotten a an email yet, I don't believe, for a practice from the team. So I don't think they're practicing tomorrow on Tuesday. My guess is that they will practice on Wednesday. I'll be able to talk about that at various points, and we should have a better impression in all likelihood of when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter might return if they do. That's at least the hope. If not, then that's okay. We still have plenty to talk about, and and there's still time, of course, for those guys to come back. But there's going to be a ramp-up period in all likelihood, and everything that we've we've heard, everything that we've uh, quote-unquote heard, it leads me to believe that they will be back in March. And I say they now, not necessarily just Jamal Murray. So we're going to have a good time with this, but for now, let's talk about the wings in the first segment, the forwards in the second segment, and then do some mailbag questions in the third. Let's start with Will Barton, who I think is probably the most polarizing player on the Nuggets roster. Perhaps maybe Faku Campazzo um, takes that credit. That could be very well possible given the the two strong sides of that Faku Composo debate. But I do think that Will Barton is one of those guys that even amongst like strictly Nuggets fans, there are players and, and there, there are fans that I think are, are strongly either pro-Will Barton or anti-Will Barton. And so it's funny going back through some of these in-season grades. And when you do that, you, you go back through the season, you see what happened, you you go through the numbers, try to evaluate him next to other players. And from everything I understand, Will Barton's basically having a an average like like year within what he's done over the course of these past few years. He's had some really good moments and he is a solid player. And talking about him as anything other than just a, a quality starter, I think, is probably wrong. He's averaging 32 minutes, 
15.2 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, 44.4% from the field, 37% from 3. Advanced metrics if you like them, 21.3% usage. It's a little bit higher than he normally does, and then that's to be understanded, uh, to be to be expected, excuse me, because you don't have Murray, you don't have Porter. Somebody's got to step up, and, and Will's done a pretty good job of that. 55% true shooting is higher than last year. He's averaging a career-high 53% effective field goal percentage, which I think says to me that when Denver's needed him to get a bucket, he's actually done a better job than I think a lot of people give him credit for, whether it's off the catch, whether it's making a cut, whether it's creating off the dribble, or something else. Like, he's just been pretty solid. Plus 1.6 net rating is also kind of a mark against him. And I'm going to talk about that. I think there's a lot of data that says he's not as important to the starting lineup as some of the other guys. But I also want to like, take it from a positive perspective here that he's been able to, like he's, he's been saddled with a lot of the bad bench lineups. So minus two, oh, minus 0.2 estimated plus minus EPM. It's the metric that I've been using here for the advanced metrics. It's a metric that I trust. That's fifth in the NBA, or not fifth, in, fifth on the Nuggets, excuse me, behind Jokic, Gordon, Morris, and DeMarcus Cousins. And Cousins, it's it's a 100-minute sample size. So really, if you want to cut out Cousins, Jokic, Gordon, Morris. Those are the only guys that I think have been better on the season. And it's a pretty clear tier from where Will Barton is to where sixth place is. And that's Jeff Green. And he's a, a steep drop in that number. So I think you've got a guy in Will who has been a solid starter for most of this time. The lineup data, I think, backs that up too. When he's on the court with Jokic, the Nuggets have a plus 6.8 net rating. That's over a thousand minutes. And here are the teams in the entire NBA that have a net rating above plus 6.8. Actually, I, I didn't uh, I didn't go to that correctly. Um, all right, bear with me, folks. I... Uh, I wanted to make a really impactful point and then didn't have the lineup data right in front of me or the numbers right in front of me. Here are the teams in the NBA with a plus 6.8 net rating or better. The Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, and the Golden State Warriors have a plus 6.8 net rating. Golden State's right at 6.8. Utah's at 6.9. Phoenix is at 8.1. Now stop and evaluate that for a second. Jokic has been putting up some very crooked numbers, and the Nuggets have fit really, really well with him. With Will Barton, they're also fitting pretty well, like as as well as can really be expected on most nights. And yet the the kind of conversation is that he he doesn't have as much of a, a strong plus minus as Austin Rivers with Jokic or Davon Reed with Jokic, and that's a mark against Will Barton somehow. I honestly feel like that's more of a reflection of those other guys and how they fit in pretty well, rather than with Will Barton, who I think is, like we've seen over the course of seven years, has been a pretty good fit next to Nikola Jokic. It's not necessarily in the way that a lot of people like and prefer because he takes the ball a little bit more. He's a little bit more creative with it, not necessarily like 
immediately giving it back to Jokic, which I think is what a lot of people want. But there's some limiting factors when you have a guy like Austin Rivers or Davon Reed, where they've got the the lower usage rate, less creativity, less ability to shoot when they go off the dribble. Barton has been able to do that at a pretty solid rate for a starter. It's not great. It's not even good, but it is solid. And being able to do that in place of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, and a lot of times Will Barton now has the best perimeter defender on him. Pretty frequently, actually. They don't necessarily go on Monte Morris. They go try to take away Will Barton a lot of the time. And when they do that, Barton can sometimes struggle. But he can sometimes still do pretty well. And I think that he doesn't get enough credit for that when he does. Earlier in the year, he was used and kind of tasked to prop up some bench lineups. That didn't work. Because here's the kicker. Barton has a minus 14.8 net rating when Jokic is off the floor. So Barton on, Jokic off, minus 14.8 net. And that's a pretty significant sample size. I don't remember it offhand, but it was like at least 400 minutes. And so when you're thinking about that, when you're thinking about what he he has to do versus what he's tasked to do versus what he's supposed to be doing, I don't really want to grade him too negatively for not being able to uplift the bench lineups. I don't think he gets like a massively positive grade, but I do think that it's important to talk about what he does do rather than hyper-focusing on what he doesn't. So I'm going to give him a B- on the season. I still want to see better defense out of him. I think that the defensive conversation is a little bit ambiguous with a lot of folks because they'll just blanket, uh, they'll blanket project a statement that says, talk about Will Barton's defense, or you're not talking about Will Barton's defense enough. I have talked about it. It hasn't been good. I know that he can do better. He probably will do better as the season wraps up. Like that's as we get into winning time here, where Denver's going to try to make a push up the standings. I think that Barton's going to be better. If he's not, then that's a concern. But right now, Denver's eight games above 500, and they're still in this position. If Barton is still kind of hot dogging it a little bit on the defensive end, then we can talk about it then. But for now, I'm not going to concern myself with it too much. He's healthy. He's gearing up for a playoff run. Let that be that. Going to do two more before we hit a break. Austin Rivers and Davon Reed. I'll spend less time on each of them. Austin Rivers. 21 minutes, 6 points per game, 1.1 assists, 1.7 rebounds, 41% from the field, 34.6% from three. So all of those numbers are pretty unremarkable. 13.6% usage rate, that's not great. 54% true shooting, that's not great. 0.3 net rating. I want to highlight that one real quick because Rivers is clearly a supporting guy. He's not a savior of any lineup. He's somebody who's going to add to the already existing product and kind of work his game in around what's already established. When Rivers has been put on the bench unit, The only way it has been functional is if the actual pick and roll game has been good. And that means Bones Highland has to be out there. That means Bryn Forbes had to be out there. And they had to have Zeke Naji or like Zeke Naji spacing the court court, 
or DeMarcus Cousins now. And that lineup, the Bones, Bryn, Austin Rivers, Zeke Naji, DeMarcus Cousins lineup, I think that's going to be pretty good. And it might not be. like There's definitely some, some opportunity for failure there if Bones doesn't really live up to the hype. But I do think that Austin Rivers really flourishes when he's around already established groups. And here's what I'll point out to that. 250 minutes with a trio of Morris, Rivers, and Jokic out there. So there are some other guys that that are in that combo at times. Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Jeff Green, whatever. When Morris, Rivers, and Jokic share the court together, they have a 122 offensive rating, a 98 defensive rating, and a plus 24 net rating. That is a significant sample size for being such a significant number. And it's one of the best, the very best trios in the NBA. And you start to run into some of these when looking up the Nuggets lineup data. And there are these little pockets of information that I'm going to file away for later that basically say, oh yeah, hey, this guy might actually be really helpful with this combination in a playoff series. When Murray needs to rest, when Porter needs to rest, uh, let's say Aaron Gordon needs to rest and they play Jeff Green, you can put together a Morris Rivers, maybe Will Barton, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic lineup and win some minutes. And Rivers is going to fight. He's going to put up a really good performance in all likelihood in most of those games, or at least he's going to facilitate good performance for the other guys where he has to functionally space the floor, cut, defend, rebound, run out, etc. He can do those things. And I think over the course of this time, it's kind of been forgotten that sometimes when he catches the ball and jab steps, that's what really like highlights like what his game is and what it isn't. Because sometimes I can hyper-focus on that too. And it's, it's not a great thing because he's more than just like a jab stepper. He actually has a pretty solid game that has really started to showcase itself when he's been willing to let it fly and move off ball and do some of the things that the Jokic offense needs. So I do think we're going to see a good version of Rivers over the course of these next couple of days, uh, not next couple of days, next couple of months. And I think there's a possibility he enters the playoff rotation. I'm giving him a B plus on the year at this point, and that could go up to an A pretty quickly. If it does, then there's going to be a lot of positive stuff for Austin Rivers from me. Like what he's been able to do in the locker room has been really helpful, but also what he does for this team, it's very unheralded, and I think it deserves a little bit more credit. Davon Reed, 13.8 minutes per game, 4.0 points, 1 assist, 2.5 rebounds, 47 from the field, 43% from three, 11.6% usage. This is one of those numbers that I had to look up, and I was like, wow, that's just, that's kind of aggressively bad. Uh, or not bad, but it's just like, hey, he's he's out there. He is not out there to shoot. It just turns out that when he does shoot, he's been making the shots, at least at a pretty reasonable clip. 60.2 true shooting percentage. That's really good. That's a, that's a really solid number for some of the shots that he's had to take. He's taken some pretty ambitious pull-ups. He's taken some 
uh, threes that aren't necessarily fully in rhythm that he just kind of has to make as a hero shot, and he's been able to do it. Plus 4.7 net rating, he has filled in really well in his role, and his role has been very volatile with this Nuggets team. He's not a permanent rotation guy. That's become pretty clear. Not a high-minute guy. But on the lineup data, he's at 66% of his minutes at small forward, 15% at shooting guard, and 19% at power forward. And there are a lot of different circumstances where he's been used in different ways. Um, The shooting guard minutes are very interesting because when he plays shooting guard at 6'5", pretty physical, Denver can become a pretty big team and a switchable team. When he's playing small forward, it's pretty traditional not necessarily like like is he, he's a six foot five, kind of thicker backup, but he's not like six foot eight. So Denver becomes a little bit smaller, and then there are those lineups where he goes really small, and some of that is in garbage time. So I wouldn't really uh, necessarily highlight it too much. But there have been some times where he's been brought in as a bench power forward and has done pretty well in various circumstances. So. He can find different ways to get on the floor as a supporting character and defend whoever he's matched up with and switch and run and rebound and do all that stuff. I trust him. I think that's kind of weird because as a two-way guy who hasn't played a whole bunch of minutes, you would think that he would need to earn a little bit more time. But I think myself, along with a lot of Nuggets fans, have been very impressed with what Davon Reed has done. His ability and his ambitiousness that when he does shoot, like some of those are uh, not Torrey Craig-esque, but a little bit more potent than that. Uh, Some of the types of shots that he takes as three-pointers, he can take and make those shots. And because he's been able to, I'm going to be very curious to see what Michael Malone ends up doing in a playoff series where if Denver has all their guys back, they're going to be the primary seven or eight guys or so. But then whoever he goes to beyond that, it might be very um, matchup specific. And there are going to be a lot of matchups where I think Davon Reed makes a lot of sense where you don't take the ball out of Murray and Jokic's hands. Don't take it out of Morris's hands, anything like that. But Davon Reed might be a guy that you throw on Donovan Mitchell or John Morant or... I don't know, Devin Booker or somebody like that. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does pretty well in that matchup. And then the Nuggets are really cooking with gas at that point. So I give Davon Reed a B plus coming in off a two-way contract or not even a two-way. He was on a 10-day. And then his ability to prove that he was immediately an NBA caliber player and then showcase that in games, in practices, in front of Michael Malone. I think that's a really, really big deal. And if it were up to me, I think that Denver should, well, it's going to be, it's actually going to be really interesting because I think the two-way contract rules state that he can't play in the playoffs. So take everything that I just said with a grain of salt about the playoff rotation, because he might not be available since he's on a two-way contract. But I do think that if it were up to me, I would try to find some space for him. Like, I think he's probably going to have more of a valuable role to play than a Vlaco Chanchar will. 
but Denver's not going to cut Flacco, I don't think. Like, that's just not something that I think they would do. And whether that's the right call or not, I don't know. But I do think that Davon should be on the roster next year. He's going to be one of those guys that's expiring because it's a one-year deal. But I do think I'd like to see him back. There's something there. There's something very stable with him that I think could be really helpful if Denver sees some ongoing injury issues. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And they have an offer that is just too good to pass up. It's not just between the legs 360 windmill good. It's off the backboard between the legs 360 good. You're going off the backboard for this one. And I think that's a... That's a pretty big step up, of course, where new customers, they bet just $1 on any team and you get $150 in free bets if they win. It's just that simple. Where DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get the new same game parlays feature where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout because the more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. DraftKings is safe. They're secure. They're reliable. You can deposit and withdraw the cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get $150 in free bets if you win. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic, as you already know. All right, let's get into the forwards, and I'm, I'm going to move Zeke Naji to the, the bigs section because the majority of his minutes this year, though they have come at power forward. They've also come at center and he's played less small forward this year than I I would have expected. Obviously, I thought that Michael Porter would be out there and he was going to play a bunch of small forward too. Aaron Gordon's moved to small forward. Zeke Naji plays power forward when he's next to him. But let's talk about Aaron Gordon. As you know, he was a big piece for what the Nuggets were going to be When at full strength, they were going to have one of the most dynamic point guards in the NBA and Jamal Murray. They were going to have one of the most dynamic floor spacing forwards and cutting forwards in the NBA in Michael Porter. Aaron Gordon was going to be somebody who could riff off of that, who could cut space, uh, offensive rebound, run some occasional pick and roll, but also just really find the gaps where the opposing team couldn't really guard and then capitalize mostly at the rim. What it's turned into this year is something perhaps more dynamic 
than I expected, but definitely different from what I expected because he's had to play a different position. 31.8 minutes per game, 14.5 points, 2.6 assists, 5.8 rebounds. Nothing crazy there, but I think 14.5 points, a little bit more than I expected. 51.6% from the field, 33.3% from three, pretty much his career averages, or not the not the field goal percentage, the three-point percentage is an average. The two-point percentage that he's putting up is crazy. It's, it's so much higher than what he normally does. 19.3% usage, 59.8% true shooting, plus seven net rating, which is third on the team and ahead of teams like the Utah Jazz, Golden State Warriors, whatnot. Plus 7.0 net rating is really, really good. It's behind Monte Morris just a little bit because Monte's been invaluable as a point guard. And obviously it's behind Jokic. But plus 1.9 estimated plus minus is second on the team. And it's not really close. I was looking up the different positions on estimated plus minus, what dunks and threes has. And they have him as the fifth best small forward in the NBA. And you've got some of your normal names there, like a Jason Tatum. Uh, Anthony Edwards is just above him. And there are some guys that move from small forward to power forward, like a Chris Middleton, a LeBron James, Kevin Durant, guys like that. Paul George moved to power forward. But I do think that Gordon has firmly established himself as an above average starter, not just somebody who is a, a fifth option. He is somebody that has firmly cemented himself as a kind of like a top 70, top 60 player in the NBA. And you need a lot of those guys if you're going to be a good team. And this is what the Phoenix Suns have done so well at. They've got a whole bunch of guys that I think you could classify as top 60, top 70 guys. Maybe not necessarily an MVP candidate or like a true MVP, but they've got two elite creators And they've got a whole bunch of guys that can kind of riff off of that. Aaron Gordon is at that level. And he's perhaps better in a number of categories. And the defense, I think, is one of those. But also just the physicality on the offensive end. His ability to find the gaps, find the seams in the defense, and really attack have opened up the court for Nikola Jokic, despite the fact that 58% of his minutes have come at small forward this year. That's a lot. I did not expect Aaron Gordon to play a whole bunch of small forward. When he and Michael Porter are out there, I classify Porter as the small forward. Gordon is the power forward. And obviously, I thought that Porter would be playing a ton. But Gordon, for all the warts about him, about being an an offensive creator, not necessarily good enough in Orlando, what he's shown is that he's good enough to impact a championship caliber team if you've just got the first option down. And obviously, Yoke is a great first option. But Monte Morris has really helped as a point guard. Monte Morris is the best point guard that Aaron Gordon has ever played with outside of four games from Jamal Murray. That's nuts. That's insane. And his ability to kind of fit into what that's, what that's built here has just been so impactful. In 1,381 minutes with Nikola Jokic, nearly 1,400 minutes, Aaron Gordon has a plus 11.7 net rating. That is hyper-elite offense that he's contributing, strong defense that he's contributing, 
But then here's the kicker. With Jeff Green, who we're going to talk about next, 900 minutes with Jeff Green plus 8.0 net rating. Those guys and the forward play that Denver has had this year has really helped replace Michael Porter with the starting unit in so many good ways. Denver's been a great regular season team at the forward spots. It's been the guards that have been the weakness for the most part. We're going to talk about them. And the wings, of course, have have had some weaknesses too, but or not necessarily stronger strengths. But what Gordon has done, defending a whole bunch of different positions, fitting in on the offensive end, filling his role, being okay with taking five shots or 17, depending on the night, he has been very, very good. And I've been really impressed with him. He's just somebody who I didn't expect to be as positive about, especially without Murray and Porter to kind of offset some of the bad aspects. But he's turned some of those bad aspects into something positive where the post-ups that he does have, the -the off-the-dribble shooting that he does have, he's been getting better at that to a degree that it's been pretty solid. Maybe not... Maybe not off the dribble threes, like thinking about that. Maybe not off the dribble threes. Those aren't probably the the best shots for him. But he's done pretty well from two-point range, done pretty well in the post. And he's strong enough and aggressive enough that he's been able to get to the rim anyway. So been really impressed with everything that he's done, everything that he's stepped up with. And I give him an A, an A on the year. How he's fit in with Nikola Jokic, it's very clear that he's a championship caliber player in my mind. I don't think that we would have known about that fully had he been playing behind Murray and Porter for the entire season. Maybe we would have. Maybe it would have been fine. Maybe it would have been fantastic. But I think Gordon has had to grow his game and kind of adapt on the fly. And what he's been able to do, what he's been able to show, it's been really, really impressive. Jeff Green. Also been really impressive. Absolutely deserves a lot of credit for stepping up where Porter went down. Jeff Green stepped up. Green started 42 games this year. Denver's played 58. I think Jeff Green's played like, what, 56? Somewhere around there. Let me just check that to make sure. Yeah, Denver's played 58 and Green's played 54. That leads the team. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> He's tied for the team lead with Faku Campazo. That's pretty funny. Um, people say that he hasn't had enough credit. Um, whatever. Jeff Green has played the most games on the team or tied for the most. He has been in a really tough position where Denver has needed him to step into a variety of different roles at power forward, and he's been able to fill a whole bunch of them. On the season, he's averaging 24 and a half minutes a game. points, 1.2 assists, 3.1 rebounds, 51% from the field, 32.3% from three. The usage rate is pretty low. It's at 16.9%, 61.4% true shooting though. And that's the kicker here where he's been able to really adjust his game and, and fit pretty well into the Jokic style offense where what he does as a screener, what he does as an occasional post-up threat, 
what he does as a cutter from the baseline. A lot of what he does fits in well with what Jokic likes to do, where most of the time, Green will stay out of the way. He'll be in the right spot on the court. He's never going to be in the wrong spot. And his ability to read the floor, make the right cuts, puts him into a position where Yoke is able to showcase Jeff Green's athleticism, where he gets all these amazing tomahawk dunks. And his ability to go up top, been really, really exciting this year. One of the things that stands out about his game all the time is that he's 35 years old and he's still cramming the ball on people's foreheads. It's been pretty awesome. Only a plus 1.1 net rating, and that was pretty surprising to me because he spent so much time in the starting units. But what I will say, the first 20 or so games for him were so damaging for his net rating where he was on the court with Faku, Jamichael Green, Austin Rivers, in that lineup for the first 9 to 10 games or so. And when he ultimately came back into the when he came into the starting lineup to replace Porter, Denver had a nice little boost for about 5 games before Jokic went down. And Jokic missed about 5. And that was pretty bad. That was pretty tough. And so Jeff Green obviously playing without Nikola Jokic looks a lot different than Jeff Green with Nikola Jokic because plus 1.1 net rating on the season but in 895 minutes with Jokic, he's a plus 12.1. That's drastic. That is really, really big. Another lineup quirk. 350 minutes in the first, second, and third quarters, where he's played a lot in the first three quarters of each game. Only about 220 in the fourth quarter, which is closer to the Paul Millsap rotation is what I would call it, where... Sometimes he'll finish the game. There were times where he was coming off the bench where he would obviously overlap into the fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter. But as a starter, he hasn't finished as many games. It's been a lot of Aaron Gordon at Power Forward. Sometimes it's been uh, Will, not not, not Will Barton, um, Zeke Naji at Power Forward. And so they've had a lot of times where they haven't had to close with him, but Denver's go-to lineups in the clutch for the most part, have featured Monte Morris, either Faku or Rivers, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. And it hasn't featured Jeff Green. I have a feeling that that's more due to the other teams and how they downsized, so Denver didn't want to have another forward out there, but it's also been helpful for Jeff Green's minutes rotations, where he's not playing a whole bunch of minutes all the time. That's probably better for him physically, of course. So, kind of the Paul Millsap rotation, like I said, where plays the first three quarters, doesn't really play the fourth quarter, and Denver's got other options where they can go to. It leads me to think that it might not be the worst idea in the world to have Porter come off the bench if he does come back and just keep Jeff Green in the starting lineup where it's fit really well, and he's a guy who can really do a bunch of different things and stay out of the way for the most part. But then Porter closes and and you just kind of run with that rotation and feel pretty good about it. But whatever the case may be, this grade, I'm giving an A minus. I think that I'd give Jeff a higher grade if he was shooting a little bit better from three. Last year, he shot 41% from three with uh, the Nets. This year, he's only a 32%. 
that can still go up, obviously, but I do think that if, if it was at a 38 or a 36 or something like that, I'd feel pretty good, but it's been below average, and that's the one part of his game that hasn't really manifested. So I do think that he is going to be a valuable contributor for the Nuggets in the playoffs, and Nuggets fans should get used to that. He's been very helpful, and there are certain things that I think he kind of misses that I think he, he might be a little bit late to close on certain certain occasions, but for the most part, really, really good contributions. He's been a good innings eater for Denver if you're a if you're a baseball fan. And I think that you need somebody like that when somebody big goes down. So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go through some of the mailbag questions. Got some good ones lined up for the people. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Final segment here. Uh, I've got some questions for everybody. I've got four questions this time, and, and I, I don't want to go too heavy on this because I've got some other episodes that I'm going to be dropping over the course of these next few days. Going to have a lot of time to answer some mailbag questions, and we're going to have a good time with this. So let's get into it with uh, the first question from Brian Haggerty. He asks, watching Jokic play in the All-Star game, which superstar would you love to see him play with on the Nuggets, and why is it Steph Curry? And yeah, no, hey, Brian, I, I totally agree. Like, Steph would be fantastic with Jokic, and there are certain things that you look for when you're looking for a Jokic player, but I think above all, the one that you want is unselfishness, where you continue to find a player who like a Steph, knows how good he is, but also has made it clear that he trusts the system, that he trusts what Steve Kerr does in order to keep him off ball a little bit more, to leverage what he does well, to constantly provide a shooting threat while maybe not handling the ball all that often. And so what Draymond Green does with Steph Curry, my God, would Jokic be even better than that? Because Draymond is a fantastic passer, but Jokic is just on another level. And what we've seen with Murray and his two-man connection with Jokic, just imagine the two-man dance with Curry, where as much space as Jokic is able to generate, Draymond is not able to generate that much space with Steph. They're always trying to show him two bodies all the time. And sometimes Draymond will pull the ball down and he'll go on the attack, and he will fake the dribble handoff and then dribble straight to the basket and then create a shot for somebody else. You can't do that with Jokic. You can't leave him wide open. If you do, it is a killer because Draymond isn't the best finisher and sometimes can be pretty mistake prone. Jokic in those situations almost always makes the right decision, almost always. And Steph would be just such a great lever for that. Other guys that I'd want to see with Jokic, just like more conceptually, because obviously you guys know me, I'm happy with Jamal Murray. I'm happy with Michael Porter. I'm happy with what Denver has built because I think they've built a championship contender. It's just more about, can those guys get healthy? And for this, it's just more of a hypothetical, of course. I'd love to see what Jokic could do with KD 
kind of a a massively realized version of Michael Porter where he's willing to make those passes when he creates the separation when you run those pick and rolls like one of the things that you would love to see Michael Porter do is be able to run a pick and roll and then leverage his six foot eleven height into passes to Jokic as the roll man where he can then make decisions and he can drop in floaters over the top of the defense or kick out to somebody or maybe post up whoever rotates onto him. If Kevin Durant was the guy who was with Jokic, he would be so fluid and so consistent in making the correct read that he's always going to be able to shoot over the space that Jokic generates for him. And there's no way that those two wouldn't win like several titles together. Just would be absurd. Giannis, of course, I'd love to see. I think a Giannis would be great. It's it's a little bit more of a rough fit because Giannis needs that space inside the arc for sure. But there are ways that those two could both operate as kind of pivot points and then screening and back screening and cutting and slipping screens and things like that. There are definitely ways where both of them could be involved in a team game while maybe not necessarily having the traditional two-man game that a Murray and a Jokic have or a Porter and a Jokic where you run the DHOs. I wouldn't want to run DHOs with Giannis and Jokic, but it would be kind of cool to have Jokic as the ball handler and Giannis as the screener. That would be pretty fun. John Morant. Oh boy. That would be very, very fascinating where you have a player in jaw that I don't think Jokic has ever had this kind of athleticism to play around with. He would like he's developed so much as a shooter. That would be very cool to see them play together. But mostly it's about the bounce. It's about the backdoor cuts. It's about the ability to explode to the rim. And as little athleticism as Jokic has comparatively, John Morant would make so many fun plays that I'd love to be able to see those two just run the run the floor together. Um, or even just like you know the the backdoor play that they had for Gary Harris where he would go around a screen and then Jokic would lob it up to the rim and the pass was always perfect or mostly mostly perfect and some like most of the time Gary would finish it but there are times where he didn't Jokic could throw it like four feet away from the rim and John Morant would still catch it and then he would slam it down just absolutely demolish a dunk because he's a 100th percentile athlete not 99, 100. He would be fantastic and be very, very cool. Also, honorable mention, LaMelo Ball. Like, would be a lot of fun to watch those two pass the ball together. Just just bundles of fun. All right, next question. Firepile asks, if the Nuggets use the 2.8 million disabled player exception to buy out a contract, can Michael Porter Jr. still come back and play this season? I've had this question a couple times, and I think I may have screwed the pooch when I talked to a variety of people, or not a variety of people, but I had mentioned this previously that I didn't know if Porter could still come back. What I've found out subsequently is that yes, the Nuggets have been granted this 2.0 million disabled player exception. The reason being is because they think it's more likely that Porter doesn't come back than he does. Now, obviously, things might change, and maybe Denver's hit with an unforeseen bout of luck where Michael Porter does come back. 
but it doesn't mean that if Denver uses that disabled player exception that they got, it doesn't mean that that guy just has to be cut or that Michael Porter can't come back because his spot is being taken. No, they have this 2.7 million disabled player exception and they can use it. It does take up a roster spot, I do, I think, but I don't think like Porter can still play. Porter can still be out there. Like if they sign, let's say Gary Harris, let's say he gets bought out and they sign Gary Harris to a 2.7 million disabled player exception. They can still have Michael Porter out there too. At the same time, those guys could play minutes together and there wouldn't be a penalty. Now, I don't know if the 2.7 million disabled player exception counts against the tax. My first instinct was no, that it's an exception and that it was granted to Denver and that I don't think that it counts against the tax. Now, I have to go check that and, and I'll probably talk to Jake Coyne, Bronco Squatch, about that just to see if I'm crazy, but I didn't believe they counted against the tax. So if it doesn't, then Denver should be able to use it. And there should be no reason to not use it. Um, I do think that they might be holding out for a different player. Or maybe that last roster spot is going to go to DeMarcus Cousins. But we're going to see. We're going to see what Denver does in these next few days. That's one thing that I will be asking at the next practice is what are the plans with DeMarcus Cousins for the rest of the season? Because he's not currently on the roster now. So... Maybe he's the guy that gets that DPE. Maybe he gets that and, and Denver can give him a nice big pay cut or not pay cut, uh, pay raise. And he plays for the rest of the season. Maybe they decide that they want to hold off for somebody else. And if somebody else is becoming available, well, we're going to see. Felipe asks, what is the best bench lineup once Murray and or Porter comes back? I had to think about this. And one of the things that I didn't want to do, I, did, I didn't want to include any starters. And I had to think about, okay, I had to think about whether Denver would be starting Murray, whether they would be starting Porter, uh, whether Jeff Green goes back to the bench, whether it's actually Porter who goes back to the bench. I don't know. But I came away with, okay, let's just assume that Denver goes back to their primary starting five of Murray, Barton, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. So, I didn't want to include any of those guys in a bench lineup because the best thing about a bench lineup is it gives the starters rest. So if it was able to give those starters rest, then that means those starters can play together more frequently. So here's what I came away with. Monte Morris, Bryn Forbes, Davon Reed, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji. A lot of people are going to listen to that and they're going to think, man, Ryan, what do you have against DeMarcus Cousins? What does he got to do? And what I will say is that I think that Denver's initial lineups of, let's say, Faku, let's say Bones, Austin Rivers, uh, guys like that, they didn't provide a whole bunch of floor spacing. Those guys really struggled to space the floor. And Bones, while he is very ambitious, wasn't necessarily effective, especially early in the season, as a three-point shooter, it was more of a, hey, I have this capability and you have to guard me out here, but not necessarily the effectiveness or the impact of it. Denver traded for Bryn Forbes for a reason, and one of those reasons is to space the floor so much so 
that Denver is able to get to the rim, even with less optimal conditions. And I think those optimal conditions might be, maybe go with a Monte Jeff Green pick and roll lineup with Bryn Forbes, Davon Reed, and Zeke Naji spacing. And I think that can have some really, really strong positives. Where Monte, a little bit more of a pull-up threat, a little bit more dangerous with the ball in his hands than a guy like Faku, a little bit more stable with the ball in his hands than a guy like Bones. And Bryn gives you that offensive spacing, of course. Davon Reed, 43% three-point shooter this year. Zeke Naji, 48%, something around there. I'll, I'll have the full number when I next look at it, but he's been really good as a floor spacer. So you go small ball, but you're better spacing the court than you were earlier in the year with Jamichael Green at center, with Faku as the point guard. Both of those guys have had bad years. And in this case, you're now in a situation where I think small ball looks a little bit better. looks a little bit more positive. Now, you could sub DeMarcus Cousins in there, and in all likelihood, you probably replace Zeke Naji. And there's also a possibility that Austin Rivers goes in there for Davon Reed. That's the guy that Michael Malone trusts. I would guess that Monte, Bryn, Austin Rivers is probably the primary bench trio. And Jeff Green, of course, if Michael Porter's starting. So you've got, I think, some questions for sure that maybe they get a little bit more defensive. Maybe they get a little bit more stable, but not necessarily as potent if you go with a guy like Austin Rivers over Davon Reed, a guy like uh, DeMarcus Cousins over Zeke Naji. But you can go with a, a variety of different things and still feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good about Monte and Bryn Forbes as the backup unit. It's tough to see Bones Highland go to the bench. Faku obviously goes to the bench in this scenario too, and that they'll rub some people the wrong way for sure. But I do think that he's had his opportunities, and I think I think Bones has had his opportunities too. But 43% three-point shooting from Brent Forbes, is, it's, it's drastically different. And having that capability is a really, really big deal. So we'll just have to see. Monte and Bones have not played a ton of minutes together. And I'd like to see what they could do next to each other. Especially next to DeMarcus Cousins. That would be very interesting too. Wal DeVaz asks, and this is the final question. Do you think the Nuggets could integrate a defense and Dunks style guard? Examples of that, Gary Payton II, Bruce Brown. Do you think there are any scrap heap candidates out there for that role, like a Chris Dunn? What he asks. I think this is Denver's biggest need on the free agent market next year. And it's one of those very niche needs, right? Like it's not a traditional wing defender. It's not a backup center or anything like that. If I were the Nuggets, I would use a bunch of resources. I would use their full MLE to try to get Gary Payton II away from Golden State. And you might ask yourself, why would Denver do that? Why would they try that? What is it about Gary Payton II, of all people, that is so viable for a team like Denver, where they've already got their guys, they've got their starters, they've got Monte Morris as the bench guy, they've got Bones Highland in the in the kind of in the background there. I think that Gary Payton II 
and players like him, like a Derek Jones Jr., a Bruce Brown, a Chris Dunn even. I'm keeping my eyes on Cody Martin in Charlotte. All of those guys are kind of high assist guys at the rim. They have their points created for them, and they stay really efficient. Not Bruce Brown in this case because he hasn't played as much with James Harden, and James Harden's now gone. But all of those guys can stay efficient if they have their shots assisted for them, if they're not creators themselves. And the good thing about Denver is that with Jokic there, you don't need a creator. You need cutters. You need defenders. You need spacers, but also gravity guys that can take advantage of the gravity that Jokic will have in the middle of the floor. I think that Gary Payne would be a fantastic addition. And he's one of those guys that I think like an Alex Caruso from Chicago, take him away from the Lakers and the Lakers look far worse. The Bulls look a lot better. He hasn't played lately in Chicago, but the Lakers, they've really missed him. Lonzo, they've really missed Lonzo in New Orleans in a lot of ways. And I think Bruce Brown, a guy like him who hasn't played a ton with the Brooklyn Nets this year in the right circumstances, they've had to go away from that because they've gotten all these traditional centers or these traditional power forwards that look like centers that can't quite space the floor as well as they do. Joe Harris hasn't been out there to space the floor. Kyrie Irving isn't out there for half their games. Kevin Durant's hurt. Those guys, like Gary Payton II, like Bruce Brown, are the exact kind of players that Denver could pay for on the market and then extract as much positive utility out of them as anybody else because of how unique of a player Nikola Jokic is. Think about all the times that Jokic has put somebody in the short corner and they've been able to take advantage of the spacing that he creates. So many opportunities in the clutch, in random possessions in the second quarter, where he sees the ball, he sees the play develop, he puts guys in the right spots, and then they take advantage. When their man has to vacate the premises, then Jokic just dumps it down right to the open spot. And Denver has a guy there who gives a nice layup. Gary Payton II would be great at that. And he'd also be a fantastic defender on the other end. Denver needs players like that. They need to add to the defense. Players that can be competent on that end of the floor. Bring out the positives of a team like a Murray-led team, a Porter-led team, a Jokic-led team, of course. You have to find defense in weird places. And the offensive guys, you need different types of players that can space the court in different ways. Monte Morris is a more traditional point guard, but he's also got some off-ball spacing where he can go stand to the corner. He could go stand on the wing. Be perfectly fine. Gary Payton II spaces the court in a drastically different way, and he gets a drastically different result. But it's still positive. He's still one of the highest net ratings with Steph Curry, where he gets to cover for some of Steph's weaknesses and accentuate some of his strengths. The team does really well at that in Golden State. And I think that getting a guy like Gary Payton II would be really cool. He's an unrestricted free agent. Derek Jones Jr. for Chicago. 
unrestricted free agents. Bruce Brown, unrestricted free agent. Chris Dunn is unemployed. Cody Martin's an unrestricted free agent. Denver has to get creative to become a championship contender again. If they don't win it this year, then I do think that they have to reshuffle the roster, reshuffle the rotation a little bit, put it into Nikola Jokic's image a little bit more, find some good accentuating players. And I think that this type of skill set, I think that makes a lot of sense. So Wild of Oz, well done. That's a really, really good idea. I think Denver, like we deserve to have that opportunity to see a guy like that because Denver could make that guy valuable in a playoff series. Jokic is one of the only players in the NBA that could make a player like that viable consistently. Not even the Phoenix Suns could defend that well. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. I will be back with Jeff Morton tomorrow as we talk about Michael Malone and a variety of other topics on this Nuggets second half. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.